Um, I'll take a moment to introduce myself a little bit further. Uh, like they said, my name is Morgan. I'm on staff at our Shakopee campus. I have the honor and privilege of getting to be our associate campus pastor there. And my husband's actually on staff for the last year we've been on staff together. We have survived. It's been awesome. <laughs> actually, ironically, we've been sharing an office for the last few months too. So we just went all in. We're together a lot, but we love getting to be a part of River Valley. We love getting to be a part of God's house, his church, what he's doing. And we have one little girl. Her name is Harley. Who else? Somebody else has a Harley. I saw it. A name tag. Who else has a Harley here? Yeah, it's an awesome name. Um, yeah, there she is. That's my husband, Josh, my little girl, Harley. And I just was saying to another mom the other day, I'm like, you know what? I, I realized you can be exhausted and having the best time of your life all at the same time. That's motherhood. I think I finally clicked instead of trying to figure out one or the other. I'm living my best life, washing my hair once a week and eating leftover mac and cheese. And I wouldn't want it any other way. Um, but I'm just so excited to be with you. I'm thankful to get to share with you all. I get to be part of Sisterhood at our Shakopee campus. And so I told them, hey, I'm leaving you guys tonight. I'm going to hang out with our Apple Valley Sisterhood ladies. And they said, all right, fine, just as long as you come back. So <laughs> uh, I'm not going to take too much longer. I would love to just pray over this message super quick. I know you come to church, but you can't pray too much at church, right? That would be weird. So well, I'm just going to pray really quick. And then we're going to dive in because you didn't come to hear me talk about myself. You came to get fed. Amen. Amen. So Lord, I just thank you for this evening. I pray for every woman in this room. I thank you that they are here. Whatever obstacles may have came before this, Lord, we put it away. We just say, Lord, would you meet us where we're at? Would you help us to focus? Would you help us to lean in, to hear your voice, to just be in your presence? Because you're here with us right now, Lord. And I just pray that there would be something that would stick to every single one of us in this room that we'd be able to take away. And it would come from your word and your truth. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Well, we're in the book of Hebrews. Have you guys liked being in Hebrews so far? I love this book. It's like the combination of like, come on, do better. Here's how we do it. But then also encouragement at the same time. It's like this sweet mixture of like, hey, I'm going to call you higher, but you can do it. And I love books that kind of do both in our lives because we need that to keep us going, to keep us sharp as believers, as Christians, as people who are doing the best we can to be more and more like Christ. And so we're going to be focusing in a little bit on chapter six specifically tonight. We'll jump around a little bit, but we get to talk about inheriting his promises, inheriting the promises and blessings of God. And the main verse for this week comes from Hebrews Chapter 6, verse 12, which says, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So we're going to break that verse down a little bit. Um, but first, I want us to focus on that word promise. It's actually mentioned over a hundred times in the Bible. And each promise, God pledges to do something or something that he will do or will not be done or something that will be given or something that will come to pass. And there's a song, maybe you've heard the song, it's familiar, that's yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. That comes from 2 Corinthians 1.20 where it says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him are amen to the glory of God through us. That is good news for us tonight. They're not going to change. They don't waver. What he has said he will give us, we will receive. And we get to sit here tonight and go praise God because we need his promises and blessings in our life, right? 
Amen. So here's just a couple promises from scripture that we can focus on. First one is God promises that he has a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11. God promises that he will never leave us. Joshua 1, 5 through 9. God promises that he will supply all of our needs. Philippians 4, 19. God promises that he will make our path straight. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. God promises us that he will make everything work out. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 28. God promises us rest. Anybody need some rest in here? Amen. All right. Um, that's Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. God promises that he will answer our prayers. Matthew 7, 7. God promises us to forgive our sins. 1 John 1, 9. God promises us eternal life. John three sixteen. God promises us that nothing separates us from his love. Romans 8, 38 through 39. Aren't we thankful for the promises of God? And that's just some. That's not even all of them. I can't read them all in one sitting with you tonight night. And that's it. That's all my messages. Go home. That's good news. There's your blessings. No, it's not quite that simple. It is, but sometimes we can overcomplicate it. And I want us to focus in on three things. If we go back to that first verse that we talked about tonight, it says to imitate those through faith and patience, through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. And so we're going to talk about what does it mean to have faith? What does it mean to have patience? But before we even get to that, I think we have to really pause for a moment and talk about how we're meant to inherit the promises of God. We're not meant to earn them. And I think in the world we live in, we strive and we're always trying to be like, okay, I got to do better at work. If I want a promotion, I got to hit these goals. I got to hit these deadlines. If I want my kids to succeed, I got to put them in these things and make sure they're here. Like we live in a world where we do have to earn things, but when it comes to the promises and the blessings of God, it says that it is an inheritance. It's something that is already in the plan for your life that you are going to receive from Christ. We learned in Hebrews 6, 10 through 12, it says, For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. We don't do things for God so that we can get more or to receive more blessings from him. We do it because it's an overflow of what he's already done for us. So I want to pause tonight. Before we talk about any more blessings or any more inheritance, we already have the greatest gift we possibly could have, which is the gift of salvation. We're at 100%. We're full. Everything else is bonus. It's an addition. It's overflow. And God gives that to us. He's a good God. He has more than just salvation. But I want us to pause and just reflect that we already have the greatest gift God could ever give us, which is the gift of salvation. And we have the good news of the, of the gospel and we get to go and share that. We start at 100. So we don't serve God to receive more. We serve him because of what he's already done for us and in our lives. 
But it also said at the end, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. As we serve him, we get to become more like him. And that is, that's the outcome we receive is that we don't become dull. We don't become spiritually weak. We don't become further and further away from God where we're not sharp in our faith. That's the outcome of doing things for Christ. It's not so that we can receive more from him. We've already received it all, but we get to stay sharp as we serve him. The end of that verse says, instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Sometimes when we are waiting to see God's promises fulfilled, we can get discouraged. Anybody? Anybody get discouraged? Me and my husband, we tried getting pregnant with our daughter for over three years. And I'll be honest, there was times where I was like, oh, I don't know if I can pray this prayer again. I don't know if I can ask anymore. I would, I would get discouraged if I'm just being honest. We can get discouraged. But when we give into discouragement, we can start to feel like what we're doing for God maybe is pointless. And sometimes we might even begin to get sluggish or lazy in following him. That key verse tonight talks about, my hope for you is that you don't grow lazy in following Christ. We can start to lose the desire to maybe press on when it comes to our faith. There's a parable in the book of Matthew of three servants. Some of you in this room probably have heard it. And there is a master and the man was going on a journey and he entrusted his three servants with his wealth. He gave one five bags of gold. He gave the second one two bags of gold and he gave the third one bag of gold, each according to their abilities. The servants with five bags and the one with two bags put the money to work and each doubled their amount of gold. The servant that received one bag dug up a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Then starting in Matthew 25, verse 19, it says, After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. Then the servant with two bags also did the same. Then we get to verse 24 and it says, Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. A little harsh, in my opinion, but that's what he said. It goes on to say, so you knew that I harvested where I had not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. I think about this parable and it's kind of hard. I don't know about you, but myself, I almost have a little bit of compassion for the one who hid it in the ground, right? We, we read in there, we learn he's a hard master. He was kind of scared of him. But what I think we really need to take away from it is that God has given us some blessings in our lives and instead of using it to multiply, using it to overflow, using it to bless others, because that's what this parable is, right? It's between God. It's representing God and us. I think when we get blessings in our life, instead of doing that, we almost cause, it causes this sense of fear and we hold it tight. Well, what if I run out? Well, what if this is all I get? 
What if there's not more from the one who gave it to me? What if this is all I have? And I think that the man who hit it might've had that same fear. It says he was afraid of his master. Maybe he was fearful that if I lose this, what if he will be mad and I'll never get anything else in return? But God's blessings and promises in our lives aren't meant to cause a scarcity mindset or cause us to become selfish. They're meant to spur us on to be a blessing to other people around us and to do it to them in return, to multiply, to be like the other two, to multiply what God has given us and trust that where the blessings came from, there's gonna be even more for us in the future. He's a God of abundance, not a God of scarcity. I don't think the servant who hid the money really knew the master's heart. The servant's view of his master was that he asked people to do things for him, but there was nothing for him in return. So we don't earn God's promises, but I think a good challenge for us to ask ourselves, are we willing to do the things God asks us if there's nothing in return for us? Are we willing to do what God asks us, even if there's nothing for us in return? Now, I don't think that's how it works, right? How many of you guys asked you to do something, you've been obedient, and there's been blessing on the other side of your obedience? I think that's how God works. However, we do it because God's already given us so much. And so I think what we learn from that parable is we want to be like the two who went and multiplied, who said, well, I can't believe I received this. You've entrusted this to me. I'm going to go and do something with it. That's what we're meant to do with the blessings and the promises of God, not meant to hold them and hide them and keep them back. We got we to gotta multiply what the Lord has given to us. So that was the first thing. First thing. I want to make sure you know we inherit it. We don't we don't earn it. We don't work for it. But it is our job to steward it, right? And to multiply what he's given us. And then the other two words in that verse is we get the inheritance through faith and through patience. So we'll talk about faith first. So what is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is what makes real the things we hope for. It is proof of what we cannot see. We have to know him. We have to trust him. We have to have faith like a child. God sometimes even gives us the chance to partner with him in his promises by allowing our faith to play a part in his plan. But the biggest thing that will hinder our faith is our doubt. Growing up, everyone would always tell me, oh, Morgan, you're just so trusting, like almost to a fault. You know when people tell you things and it seems sweet, but really they're saying something else. It was always like, oh, Morgan, I really believed the best in everyone. I thought everyone was good. I thought everyone was kind. I thought everyone was trustworthy. I thought everyone said what they meant, meant what they said. And I remember people always telling me, just be careful. Just be careful. How many of you have friends in your life? You're like, I'm friends with that person. They're like, oh, you're friends with them. Just be careful. That's how I felt like I grew up. And the sad thing is, the reality is, the second's probably true, right? We don't live in a world where everyone is good and everyone's motives are pure. Instead, we live in a, in a world where we're always on guard. Our defenses are always up. We're questioning people's motives. We're cautious of people in our lives to the point where we even doubt ourselves. But yet faith is exactly the opposite. God wants us to be the exact opposite with him. When I think about faith, I think about this picture. You've probably seen it before where it's Jesus kneeling down with this little girl. Have you guys seen this picture? <clears throat> but I love this picture because us looking at it, it's pretty easy for us to go, just give him the teddy bear, right? 
just give it to him because what you're going to get back in return is going to be so much better. You're going to have so much joy. But for this little girl, she's holding something she loves more than anything. And she's like, I don't know if I can give it to you. That's a big ask. Like, I love this with all my heart. And she doesn't know she's going to get something greater in return. All she knows is the person standing in front of her saying, will you give it to me and do you trust me? That is faith. We have to trust the one who asks more than the thing that we love the most. So how do we change a mind that is pre-wired to doubt into one that is pre-wired to believe? What do you do when you doubt or you don't believe? Mark 9, 23 through 24, I think gives a good answer to this. It says, what do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. This is Jesus speaking. I'm going to say it again. He said, what do you mean if I can? He's almost offended. Like, what do you mean if? I'm Jesus. Like, I can do anything. And then he said, anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I love that response because he's so honest, right? The man that he's talking to is so honest. He says, Okay, I do believe. I think some of us in our lives, it's like, no, Lord, I know you can, but right now I'm fighting my own flesh and I also have a little bit of doubt and I think the Lord can handle our honesty to say, can you help the unbelief in me so that I can just lean into the belief that I know is true about who you are and what you can do? As humans, we can sometimes overcomplicate things, but when we overcomplicate the issues, we may be overcome with doubt because we've not only made it maybe bigger, but we've also now tried to control it ourselves. So here's some scriptures that encourage us to keep strong in our faith. Matthew 17, 20 says, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Nothing is impossible with faith. Like, think about that. I think sometimes I've been a Christian my whole life. I gave my life to the Lord when I was like six years old, probably 10 times. If you've been in kids' church, you do a salvation call, and like every week the same kid raises their hand. So, you know, around six, multiple times. And I've heard that verse my whole life, but like to pause and grasp that, think about that. Nothing, nothing in your life, nothing that you're walking through right now, nothing that you've been praying about, nothing that's going on with your kids, nothing that's going on with your marriage, nothing that's going on in this world, nothing that's going on in your neighborhood, in your schools is impossible for God. Nothing's impossible when we have faith in him. Mark 5, 36 says, but Jesus overheard them. Oh, this is the story of Jairus. Sorry, I should back up. Even when circumstances are not favorable, continue to have faith. There's a story about Jairus, a guy named Jairus, and his daughter was dying, and he came and found Jesus, and he said, can you please come and heal my daughter, please? And as they were journeying to go heal her, she actually ends up passing away, and when they come on the scene, her funeral is going on. And Mark 5, 36 says, but Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Could you imagine? You bring Jesus, it's too late. He sees his daughter dead. He's devastated. He's like, oh, I did everything I could and it wasn't enough. And Jesus' response is, just have faith. And she was healed immediately after Jesus told her to get up. She rose from the dead. 
Nothing is impossible for God. No circumstance is too great for him to work in. Put your faith in God alone. He will come through. James 1, 6 through 7 says, But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And we started off this message with like all these promises and you're, I told you you're getting all of them. But here, the scripture is pretty clear. It says to have faith in God alone. And if you're divided, that we won't receive anything. So my question for you tonight is, who do you go to first when situations arise in your life? Just think about that. Who do you go to first when situations arise in your life? I used to be like a classic overthinker to the point where I would be really like paralyzed to make decisions until I talked to 10 different people and asked their opinions and then mixed the opinions from everyone, kind of found the common denominator. And I took it to the Lord. I'm like, I don't let it cause anxiety. It would cause fear in me. And I'm like, I don't want to live this way. And I was praying about it. And the Lord revealed to me, how many people did you go to before you ever were willing to come and talk to me? Who do you go to first when situations arise in your life? We shouldn't end with God. We should start with him in our lives. He should be our number one person we go to. He's your greatest advocate. He's your greatest friend. He's your heavenly father. He's your provider. He's the one who can make a way when you don't have a way. He can be your decision maker. Your Holy Spirit inside of you is the one who is your friend who's leading you. He has all the answers. We shouldn't end with him. We should start with him. Don't trust your gut. Do people ever say that to you? Like, oh, just go with your gut. We hear that all the time. It's not like a bad phrase technically in general, but I want to challenge us tonight. Don't trust your gut. Pray and trust the prompt of the Holy Spirit because that is what's going to continue to fuel your faith. Because without faith, we cannot please God or bear fruit in our lives. And like our verse of the night says, in order to receive the inheritance of God, we're supposed to imitate those through faith and patience we're the ones to receive the inheritance of God. So we have to have faith. All right, now we get to go to patience. <laughs> I was like, man, Lord, like the two hardest things you asked us to have patience. Like, can I be bold? I can be bold. Can you ask me to like be courageous? I can do that. But like patience is the worst one because we live in a world where that is the furthest thing from what we have to practice on a daily basis, right? Like we live in a world where it's like, how can we do things bigger, better, faster, more convenient than ever before? You can shop at a click of a button and have things on the way to your house. Just did that yesterday. You know, Amazon's the best. You can get food in minutes through a drive-thru. Sometimes you don't even have to leave your own house anymore. You can get answers in seconds through a Google search. Patience is just not a huge part of our world. It requires discipline in our life. When I first got married to my husband, I'm wired that way. Like I like to go, go, go. And I'd be like, we can get like 10 more things done today. Or we'd be driving. I'm like, oh, that person's so slow. And just to annoy me, he would sing this song that would be like, it says, be patient, be patient. Don't be in such a hurry. Remember when you're impatient, you only start to worry. And I would get so annoyed. But it's so true, right? Like when we start to hurry, hurry ends up causing us to worry. And then that causes anxiety. And then all of a sudden we're overcome with this weight every single day, day in and day out. It's not how we're meant to live our life. We're meant to live our life in patience with the Lord, patience in his timing, patience in his goodness, patience in his faithfulness. 
We have to lean into and trust God's timing. We got to live onto his timetable, not our own. Hebrews 6, 13 through 18 gives us the example of Abraham's patience. And it says, for example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that so that those who received the promises could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, anytime the Bible says, therefore, you should pay attention because it means it's something that we get on the other side of it. So therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. What if Abraham had given up? What if he grew impatient? What if he said, you know what? What I have right now is good enough, God. Like, this is the long game. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm done. His whole life would have been so much different. And he would have ended his life with less than what God had intended to give him. Think about that. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, but at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. To be honest, I was prepping this message, and for some reason when I read that verse, it just hit me. And I don't know if it's for everyone in this room. I think we all have times when we grow weary, but I just feel like encouraging women in general. Like, I know you wake up every morning, and you got your kids to take care of, and they got their things that they're going through, and your husband's trying to work and provide, and he needs you, and maybe you're working, and you're trying to do your thing, and just the weight of the world can sit on your shoulders sometimes and you're like, man, maybe you came in tonight saying, I'm pretty weary. I don't know if I even want to come to sisterhood tonight, but you're here and God wants to give you so much more than what you have just right now. But it says to not give up. And it says at the proper time, I just want to encourage you. Maybe you haven't received what you've been praying for or asking for yet, but at the proper time in God's perfect timing, it will come. And you will have a harvest. You will have a harvest. That means you have abundance if you just don't give up. So I just want to encourage you tonight. If you're feeling weary, don't give up. Keep going because his promises are on their way for you. His prayer, his answer to prayer is coming. Hebrews 10.36 says, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised Inheriting God's promises and blessings in our lives requires patience. But don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't settle. Don't compromise convenience for short-term satisfaction. Hold on and hold out for all that he has for you. Hebrews 6.19 is kind of like the theme verse of Hebrew. Everyone, when you hear it, you're going to be like, yes, I love that verse. It's true. It's so good. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul firm and secure. We have this hope as an anchor, anchored to something firm but unseen. An anchor holds the ship and keeps it from being wrecked, stabilizes it and keeps it more comfortable for those on board, allowing the ship to maintain the progress that it has made. 
but the ship must be connected to the anchor. We have to be connected to the anchor. It is useless if it's not attached to the ship. It's needed in storms and it's needed when the waters are calm because it keeps us from drifting. It keeps us from waking up one day and asking ourselves, how did I get here? We have to be connected to the anchor, to the word of God and to, and to Jesus. Hope is a medicine for discouraged Christians because since Jesus is our forerunner, he goes ahead of us so we can follow his lead. And as we live out faith and patience, we can be confident we are inheriting God's promises. And those who inherit God's promises are children of God. We are children of God. We are heirs. That's why we get to inherit. We don't have to work for because we are his children. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because we are his sons and his daughters. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also his heir. We get to receive all of God's promises, all of his blessings for our lives. And it's going to require faith and it's going to require patience. But if we can do those two things consistently and we can be anchored to him, we will reap everything that he has for us in our lives. So let's look back on our main verse for this week, which is Hebrews 6, 12. It says, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So what can we do in our daily lives to imitate those who live out faith and patience? Let's think about it. I'm going to close in prayer for us. And then we're going to go to our tables and we'll talk about it. We can encourage each other and, I, and be honest. Maybe you're in a season where you're like, man, I am weary. I don't know if I can keep having faith. I don't know if I can keep having patience. That is why we need community because we get to hold each other up and say, yes, you can. We get to spur each other on. We get to pray over one another. So just be honest at your tables tonight about where you are because I'm thankful that sometimes people are on mountaintops when I'm in valleys because I need them to come alongside of me and lift me up. And I'm thankful that I get to do the same in return in different seasons. The beautiful thing of the church. So I'm going to close and pray for us and then we're going to go to table time. Lord, I just thank you so much for these ladies. Lord, I thank you that we get to inherit so many things from you, Lord, not from anything we do, but simply from the overflow of your love for us and what you did for us on the cross. And so I pray tonight, Lord Jesus, that we would see the blessings in front of us, see the inheritance that we have in front of us, Lord God, and we wouldn't grow weary in doing good for you, but we would continue on being faithful, continue on being patient and knowing that in the proper time, in the right way, we will receive everything that you have for us. And that is so good. Everything you have for us is so good. And we thank you for those blessings in our lives in Jesus name. Amen.